Good. Okay. Thank you for coming. And uh, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10, uh, as you may be uh, aware. We are looking uh, in Mark's Gospel, part of our Bible teaching here at Portsmouth uh, in this season is from Mark's Gospel, and it's uh, on the sheet in front of you, uh, and uh, we're continuing to travel with the disciples on their journey with Jesus, uh, and uh, seeking to learn, like they did, they learned as they went, and I think there are things that we can learn about what it means to have Jesus as our King in our lives, that's the series, uh, has this uh, overall theme that Jesus is the King. Uh, it's the big theme of uh, Mark's Gospel. begins with the words, uh, Jesus, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the King, uh, the Son of God. And that's how Mark kind of starts off. Uh, and in the second half of, it, of the Gospel, once the disciples have realized, yes, Jesus is the King, then uh, comes the implications of what that actually is likely to mean for them. And uh, it takes them a while to understand it. Indeed, it's not really until after the resurrection that they fully grasp what that might mean. So today, in Mark chapter 10, in the passage you have... Uh, oh, well, let's, let's, just, let's pray before we begin, shall we? Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a living word. And we pray, Lord, that today your word, your word will be alive to us and that you would bring your word to life in our hearts as we uh, read and hear and talk about it and think today. So we pray, Lord, that you will draw near to us and that this may be just a really uh, supernatural event as by the Holy Spirit you speak to each one of us. Thank you that you're a God who speaks and we pray that we may be people who are willing and open to hear you and to Follow your word, your life, Jesus, in our lives. So we, we pray for all the other groups going on that they'll be meeting with you just in the same way that they may just know you better through everything that goes on today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reading, uh, so today we meet someone who meets Jesus. He's on, on the road. If you look at uh, Mark 10, there it is in front of you. Shall we just uh, look at that together? Together, um, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your mother, father and mother. A teacher, he said, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So what, what do you think this is telling us about? What, 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 here's this man we just read about. Just imagine the scene. You know, already, before anything else happens, what, 
What are we learning about him? What's going on with him? What's he like, do you think? He's rich for one. He is rich for one, yeah, we know that. But before we know he's rich, what else do we, we see about him? He's a very good man and very well respected, I would think. I guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the way way he comes to Jesus? Oh, I must have moved really well too. What about, what about the, the way... Oh, I can do that. What about, what about the way he comes? What, what, what he's running, yeah, he's running. And that's, that's kind of not that usual. You know, people, especially wealthy people, or people who valid status didn't run that much. But this man runs along to Jesus to see him. He kneels, yeah, he kneels down. He kneels down in the dirt. Acknowledges Jesus is it's, it's good. good. Yeah. Good teacher, he says. So what's this telling us? He's keen. I think he's possibly kind of desperate. That he wants to he wants something and, and he, he wants to get it from Jesus. He he's really yeah, I've got to do this. And he runs and he gets on, on the dirt. And, and as you say, he, he calls Jesus good teacher or, or good rabbi. And that, that's kind of unusual as well. You didn't say that to anyone, really. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't just like a, you can read it like this, it's like, you know, good day or good sir. So, so. No, that, that's not, that wasn't normal at all because goodness was, as Jesus says, associated with God with the Lord, you know, the Jewish people, uh, their God, Yahweh, or our God, our Lord, Yahweh, he was here, so holy that you couldn't say his name, couldn't write it kind of down. He said, he's right, he said, look, you know, what, what's happening here? And what does this man most value? Today, uh, the theme is what's, what's really worth it. What is this man desperate for? What does he really want more than anything else? It's something spiritual. That's what he wants. Something spiritual. Eternal life, he says. I want to inherit it. And, and Jesus points him to the law because uh, the law was the way of life. People saw the Old Testament law as God's way of bringing life. You live God's way, you come into life. And Jesus kind of answers this one. And even before... Jesus has, has finished saying this, the man kind of interrupts him, doesn't he, and says, I've done all this. Since my bar mitzvah is kind of what, when he says, since, uh, I've done this since I was a, a child, or since I was a young man. You know what a, a bar mitzvah, uh, what it means, the Jewish boys at 12 years old, they, there's a ceremony, and uh, you become a, a son of the commandments. That's what it means. So he said, I, ever since I, I did my bonnet, but I've done all of that. And here I am. You know, the fact that he, he you know, I, I used to read this story and I used to think, you know, he's just saying, well, I've done all that, you know. But if you put it with the other stuff, he's saying, I've done it, I've done it, but it's not enough. Because I haven't got what I really want. I don't have that assurance that I have eternal life and I've done all that stuff and, and I'm, I'm really, really desperate. 
He values spiritual life. He wants it. He knows he hasn't got it. He's desperate for that spiritual life. And his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This isn't a theological question. We had a question last week that Jesus was asked by the Pharisees where it was to trap him, to test him. I think this is a, this is a question from the guy's heart. What a, eternal life, spiritual life. I want it. I haven't got it. And I really, really want it. It's a personal question, not an academic one. Now, I, I, I don't know whether you're, how you're feeling. It's a bit hot in here. Um, but how about talking to each other for a few minutes about, about that? And this is the question. You know, we've seen this picture of this man, this young man who's so desperate, who wants spiritual life and doesn't have it. My question is, in your experience with people you know, maybe your own experience, are there people around like that today? And uh, how is that kind of expressed? When, when might you see it? If there was someone around like that, how would you, how would you know? Or that kind of thing. Okay? So why not just, just spend you know, a couple of minutes? Is that okay? Just talking to each other. You, know, you can move your chairs around if you like, or lean across and have a see what, what, what we come up with. Okay? Go. Let's have some background music. Shall I sing? <laughs> okay, right. Anyone um, like to share anything? Help us out? Do you think, are there people like this around? Do you think? Or do you know? You're lots of nods. Who'd like to share their insights? Right. Right, okay. Other people agree with that? Yeah, that's not necessary to kind of life, but yep. Yeah, there is, uh, so I was thinking a lot of my colleagues, like they think that they need diet or they need exercise or they need more money or they need you know maybe they won't say you know or maybe a partner or something like that they won't say they need spirituality but they feel there's a need something right. that they haven't right. got and if they do just do more exercise or just do a diet then that will fulfill what they're missing right yeah um and what about the spirituality side and the people encounter folks who perhaps do don't say talk about eternal life but a bit spiritually hungry or maybe they don't say these things to us thinking you know, i thought you where people are sort of quite reserved and don't yeah. talk about yeah. these things very yeah. often it's only would be maybe if you know the person well you've got yeah. to know through a friendship or, yeah. yeah um fred is saying that if you feel she that there is a hunger because of this a lot of people going to church yeah. Yeah. I would say there's an amazing number of people out there searching for spiritual life. They don't know, they know the need, as I, I think Sin said, but actually a place where you really do find it is street pastors. Mm. Because people's tongues have been loosened by the drink, so you will find there are often faith conversations happen there because that is where you know they begin to start feeling freedom to explore um i am amazed what the spiritual hunger really is anything.
Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that, that, um, because culturally, it's just not cool, is it, in our culture to talk about those kind of things? But yes, when something like that happens, or or maybe when there's other things start going, <clears throat> or things start going wrong, people's lives all of a sudden, oh right, okay, uh, as we you know, see. So okay, let's carry on and think a bit more about about this man here in this passage, because Jesus actually is. In his response, do you see what, what's going on here? He, he's kind of showing and telling him that there's something else that's really valuable. What are the values of the king? Well, here, it says here, Jesus says, um, he loves him. See that? In verse uh, 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he says, says we look, yeah, there's something, something missing. Sell everything, give it to the poor, then come and follow me, says Jesus. Jesus invites this man to love the Lord. Doesn't he? And he invites this man to love his neighbour, the poor, actually. And says, uh, but most of all, he invites him to come and be with me, says Jesus. And the man loves his money too much for that. And uh, we have this lovely little touch that um, in the story, which may reflect that Peter saw it all happen. Well, Mark might have done, because he was in the disciples' kind of wider group. But it says the man's face fell. You know, his, his whole, like a balloon, deflating. Because he has money. And I wonder whether um, you know, Jesus' response, because as, as the man in his desperation, he, he wants this, this thing, this spiritual life. And then Jesus realises, as he looks at him, and sees his heart, or in what he then says, that you see Jesus' heart going out to this man, because he's kind of trapped, isn't he? He can't have what he wants because he wants something else more than, than he wants Jesus, really. What's really worth it, then? Well, Jesus is saying, well, the passage is saying, Jesus is really worth it. And coming with Jesus into a life where what he says matters more than the other things that we give our hearts to. Because it comes down to where our hearts are, doesn't it? And the man walks away sad. And that may not be the end of the story. We don't really know. Because I wonder whether, as the man was walking away, I suspect he didn't run off. <laughs> he may have overheard what Jesus later says to his disciples. It'd be nice if he did, wouldn't it? But we don't know. Or what Jesus, because immediately said, verse 23, Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, it, it, you know, the man may have just been... Um, you know, drifting off, we don't know how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to, the end, to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So Jesus is saying to the disciples, 
the kingdom of God is it's not in one sense it's a hard thing to enter which when we can consider what he said last week or in the passage he's saying in one sense it's, it's as easy it's easy because you, you just have to become like a little child dependent with nothing but then being rich or powerful or invested your heart invested in other things becoming having nothing is not so easy after all is it and that's what jesus is saying to his disciples it's very hard indeed it's like trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle jesus tells a joke you know because it's visual you know people somebody said oh this is a gate in jerusalem there's no evidence whatsoever that it's a small gate in jerusalem and it was called the camel's uh, needle's eye complete no no evidence whatsoever some people think the rumour was started by a very enthusiastic tour guide in Jerusalem, probably in the 19th century. But uh, there's no evidence. It's a joke. Jesus is saying, can you imagine trying to get a cat? You know, we know what the eye of a needle is like, a tiny thing at the end of the needle. Imagine trying to get a camel through that. You know, I don't know if people rolled about laughing, but it, but it is a, it's a ridiculous, it's a funny kind of image. And Jesus is saying that, that it's as, it's easier. It will be easier to get a, a camel through the eye of a needle than it is to get a, a rich person into the kingdom of God. No wonder the disciples were amazed. How about they stopping talking for a bit again to ponder? Do we see this? It's hard to enter the kingdom, especially for the rich. Now, we live in one of the most affluent societies in the world. How does that affect our friends and families? And is there anything we can do about that? Can we just talk about that for a few minutes? Have a little buzz, a couple of minutes, and we'll be back. Do we see this? Uh, if that's too difficult to answer, you could ask the question, well, why is giving up something for Jesus so difficult, even for us? That might be an easy question to answer. Pick your answer. So, have we got any? Any thoughts about that? Anyone like to share? I, I won't bring the microphone round if that's okay, because I think the battery's going on it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so if I just, yeah. Any, any thoughts? I think we live in a media society. We live in a me society. Yeah. yeah. What I want. Yeah. What I think I deserve. What I. Want. And that goes against. The idea of denying ourselves and following Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It goes against the idea of denying ourselves and following Jesus. I would give you that. I just have to yeah. 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 Any any other thoughts about that? <clears throat> we see it around us. Any ideas about what how we react to it or what we might do? So we all recognise the we all recognise the problem, do we? That's fair enough. Uh, no one's got any so far. 
Oh, I didn't mean that. Really. So I'm critical of you. I don't expect you. But yeah. Emergency conversation. People generally want to admit that they they have a spiritual hunger or they're unhappy about about things in public, but. Yeah. then those opportunities can, can open up. Yeah. Maybe in deeper conversations, deeper friendships, it might be. I mean, what, what, any other comments? I think another form of wealth is the uh, um, pride in <coughs> knowledge and science and whatever else. We know now. Mm. Yeah. We don't need mm props yeah yeah um <clears throat> which is a way of dismissing uh the religious element the, the faith element yeah um it's putting faith in themselves and yeah systems yeah um, have been searching, who then realise there's a cost to following Jesus, and actually says, I don't want to take the cost. Mm. And it is incredibly sad. I look at this, how Jesus was moved, but I don't think my words can do anything. All I can do is pray for these people. And some I have seen come to faith, and some I haven't seen come to faith. And I don't have any answers, but I think this sadness Jesus feels and I think all we can do is just pray for God to change hearts. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, maybe we, we're there with the disciples, aren't we? Really? Because that's what they, they, they're, he says they're amazed. I mean, they, I suppose, perhaps they're, did you, oh, I want some AA, yeah, I've got some AAs. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, th- that's where the disciples are, isn't it? They 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 kind of amaze. I think it might not be in a good way that they're amazed. You know, it might be just oh no. So you know, we where we got to, we see that here's a man who values spiritual life, uh, but he values his money more than that. Ultimately, and Jesus' response is to love him. And to kind of encourage him to, to the kind of love that Jesus himself has for him, for other people. He's kind of encouraging him to know, to love God. You know, the commandment he doesn't mention, you know, love you, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, is the one that he kind of missed, because it would go straight to his heart. So, well, good job we've got another ten minutes or so, because it doesn't end there. They react with Bill, the disciples are bewildered, and, and, and we are. And then uh, the answer, they ask this question, well, who then can be saved? 
by the way, eternal life, salvation, and entering the kingdom of God are all, you know, if you look at the passage, they all mean the same thing. They're three different ways of explaining, of addressing the same thing. They're interchangeable in the passage. Who can be saved? And the implied answer is, well, nobody. And look at Jesus' answer. He, he looked at them. He looked at the man and loved them. Now this is Jesus, he looks at his disciples straight in the eye and he loves them just as much and says, with man, this is impossible. He's saying, you're right, with man, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Here's his answer, if it's just left to us, it's impossible. But all things are possible with God. Here's the real value. Here's where the real value comes. Here's what makes it really worth it. Those two words repeated, with God. And I don't think that means that with God, i.e. This isn't just a statement about God being omnipotent, God having all power. It has another meaning, doesn't it? With God. If God is with us, if God is intervening, if God is involved, as soon as we are with God... Everything changes. Which is why I think how um, a, a, re a reorientated life is with God. That's what Jesus says to the man. He says, give up your money and come with me. Come, follow me. Come and be with me. And for the man, you know, th this isn't the way everybody becomes a Christian, by the way. There's nobody here, I hope, thinks that, that. All you have to do to have eternal life is give all your money away and love the poor. That isn't what Jesus is saying. But he's saying to that man, you love your money, you need to love God more than your money. And I'm loving you, and I'm inviting you to be with me and to come with me. Because with me is with God. With God Nothing is impossible. And then Peter speaks up. And let's read it in verse 28 to 31. Peter says, we have left everything to follow you. Now, I, I just, how you read this is, it's interesting, isn't it? You, it could be, <coughs> well, we've left everything to follow you. Which I think is often how I used to read it. But it could mean, well, we've got nothing left. <laughs> We, we, we've, left, we've lost everything. We've left everything to follow you. It might be a bit of a, a rueful comment. It might be a bit, well, we've got them. We've, we've lost our businesses. We, you know, we don't have any income. We're on the road with you, Jesus. We're, yeah, we've got nothing. It might be a slight kind of, I don't know, it's difficult. To, I don't think you can tell in the original Greek. David might know if he's an expert in the Bible translation. But we, we, you know, as we look at it in the English text, it, it could mean uh, different things. But Jesus' answer might help us to understand what it means, because often that's the way, isn't it? Because Jesus is reacting to something. And what does Jesus say? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel. So that's obviously a reply to, you know, you've left your fields, you're not working in your fields or you're not fishing, Peter. You know, you're not with your your family, uh, your children at the moment. You're on the road with me, says Jesus. And no one who does that will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, 
homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life, but many who are the first, first rather, will be last, and the last first. Jesus says there's more, there's more that's valuable than what you've given up. It's interesting here, there's this word, he uses this word, no one who has left home, blah, 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 uh, will fail to receive. Behind the word receive is what? A giver. With God, with me, says Jesus, you won't fail to receive in this life a hundred times more. Now, how does that work? Does that mean that we'll be a hundred times more money in our bank account? I don't think so. But lots of people would say, I remember, um, remember George Andrews? Remember George Andrews? He was a, a member of the fellowship, an older man. He died a few years ago at a great old age. He used to talk about his wartime experiences. He used to be on submarines in the Navy during the war. And if he wanted a story about life on a submarine, George was your man. And I remember George saying, you know, about how when he was in the, when he was in a, sub, a submariner, when they used to go to uh, the ports, you know, in the dock you know, around the world, he said, yeah, I, I, it was like I had so many other homes. Because he'd go along to the church, and then someone would see him there and say, oh, you know, while you're in port, your, our home is your home. Come and be part of our family. He was a young guy, he was a young submariner. And lots of people would, would, would testify to that, that within the Christian kind of family, that we, as we follow Jesus, we follow Jesus with other people. We receive so much, don't we? <coughs> You know, so so do we need someone? You know, are we are we take someone who doesn't know the Lord and is in a great critical time of crisis, or or you know, some terrible thing has happened to them? Maybe terrible news, uh, terrible health news, for example. And some of us have been there, or some of us know that, and and to have been able to share with your what you know, you've got a home group with a WhatsApp, and you can share that news, or you've got friends that will gather around you. Jesus kind of provides us with, with those things. And, and there'll be maybe other ways as well. With God and receiving, God working things and God bringing things into our lives. Also, it says, with persecutions. Now, it's not doesn't mean it all becomes easy, but we're still with God. And then... Beyond this life, there is eternal life in the age to come. I wonder, have you experienced some of that? To know being with God? A life lived with God? Have you kind of discovered the real value? That there are some things with God that are more valuable than the things we give our hearts to. I haven't given any warning, but if anyone has a, you know, a story or a testimony they'd like to, to share of that or whatever, or maybe there's something to ponder and reflect on. So here's a question that maybe you could talk about, well not maybe, definitely for 
two minutes, and we'll feed back for three minutes, and I hope we'll go back at 20 past, because I'd like us to get, get the last couple of songs with children if we can. Um, so here's a question then. How can we live like this in our world then? How can we live with God knowing this, knowing that our, our hearts are given to something else? How can we live maybe with others that you know where God is seen in our lives? Are there, are there anything that you've um, discovered? How about at work tomorrow? Or wherever you'll be tomorrow or for the rest of this week if you're not at work? Are there what do you think about that? You want to talk to each other about that and uh, see if anyone's got any ideas? Okay, try that. Right, okay, let's, uh, so we, we've been thinking about values and Jesus' alternative values to, to what we kind of often hold in our hearts, or what our culture holds in its hearts, wealth, stuff. The alternative is loving God, loving other people, coming with Jesus, and knowing that with God, we are with God, setting our hearts on heaven's values rather than our money. That's really worth it. How do we invite God to be with us? Well, there's certain evils that we, we pray. We ask him. So let's pray now. Father in heaven, we pray that we may live lives where our hearts are given to you freely. And whilst we don't want to go around bragging about that, we pray that others will see that, Lord, you mean so much to us and want to know more about it. Help us in our lives, day by day, at work, wherever we are, to just live that life with you and know that nothing is impossible with God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are with us and we with you as we live our lives. In Jesus' name.